I don't know if uh, if anyone watched the Field of Dreams, but it's famous for saying, if you build it, they will come. And when it comes to online business, that isn't true. If you create this amazing membership website, they're not just going to come. That's not how it works. That's not how it works even with a local business that builds a shop. Yeah, you might have a couple passers-by. That's going to be the same thing with a website. You might get a couple uh, people show up through through search engine. You need a way to bring them to your business. And social media is that new way of doing it. That's Chris Palmer, our guest on today's episode of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Chris is the founder of two membership businesses, angleofattack.com, which specializes in flight simulator training, and aviatortraining.com, an online flight school that provides pilot certification training. In this episode, Chris shares the hard-won lessons he's learned so far after building two successful membership businesses. We explore topics ranging from the importance of authenticity, strategies for small businesses, social media, and more. So let's get to it. I'm your host, Eric Turneson. Hey, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to speak with you guys. Yeah, you too. I mean, it's been a long time since we've we've known each other. You've been a customer member of us since I think around 2013. Right. Yeah, that sounds about when I made my transition over to the software, and it was uh, it's hard breaking up with uh, with old software, but man, when it gets painful enough, you got to make the transition. So that was a that was a crazy time in my life, but. Glad to be where I'm at now. Yeah, and I, and from the beginning, you know, when I I first saw you sign up for Memorous, I was really intrigued by your content. Um, you know, what you do is pretty unique. And um, can you just give us a little bit of brief introduction in terms of what you're teaching on your site, angleofattack.com? Yeah, sure. So angle of attack is actually an aviation term. Um, it's actually how lift is produced. So that's something that I, I yanked out of a, a, a pilot training book that I had pretty early, pretty early on. I just thought the term sounded pretty cool. Um, so, you know, I used to do video quite a bit in high school and even in junior high. I, I was good at doing video when everything was kind of going to these nonlinear editors, even working with the, the home film camera. I was doing stuff when I was a kid. And then my my one passion, my big passion is in aviation. And so eventually as I, you know, got through my first years of college and things and, and was trying to really find out what to do and how to make a living, I decided to put the, the two together with my aviation knowledge and my video knowledge and did uh, did some video courses that like was alluded to were originally DVDs, but then quickly transitioned over to um, you know, digital courses online and sold all that through a, a membership site. Right. And these are actually flight training for simulations, right? For simulators, flight simulators. Right. So flight simulation would be categorized in the gaming industry much more than it would be categorized in the flight training industry or even the aviation industry. The two really don't co-mingle that much. So I was, I was basically catering to that crowd that was flying these really complex airplanes, didn't have any official pilot training at all. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to say dumbing down the information, but getting the manuals and making layman term front to back, how to fly these type of airplanes. And then, you know, eventually did some, uh, some free stuff as well. Just the basics of how to fly, how to take off, how to land that sort of thing, all with the use of a simulator. So you've been really successful with that business. And there's so much that I think we could talk about in relation to that business. But the thing is, you've actually pivoted and you've gone into a new direction. Um, And that's, I think, uh, one of the things that we're going to be talking mostly about on this podcast. And um, also specifically, the how you've used social media to grow the business. Now, angle of attack, you know, for the number of years that you've been running it, you're, you're upwards of 50, 15,000 members on that. So it's, it's a very, I would say thriving and successful business. If you look at all the online businesses, uh, across our customer base. And so one of the immediate questions I have in terms of, you know, you're starting this, this new business, you know, what was the motivation to kind of pivot and switch to, uh, your new one? I've tried to be 
brutally honest with myself. And I, I feel like it takes me several years to really get to a point where I'm ready to make a big change. But what I noticed in the flight simulation market was that it was just from a business perspective, the cap on the market was just way too small. You know, there's only a couple hundred thousand customers in the world that I can possibly sell to. And that's, that's it. Um, and then the dollar value that they're willing to spend is also really low. So we're talking about, you know, sub $100, basically begging, begging people for money. And I was putting so much time into the marketing and, and the emails and everything. And the problem is I couldn't, from a business perspective, grow my business um, and, and, you know, start to hire more employees and, and take more time for myself. And so it all kind of cascaded down to kind of being a lifestyle issue where I was just spending way too much time doing everything myself, which I still had the freedom, but it wasn't really freedom because I still had, uh, still had so much I could do. So through subsequent products where I, I tried different things to kind of break that barrier and, and make it more of a legitimate business with, um, with hiring people to, to do the, the training material and kind of be the director of that and still not seeing really any difference there. I decided to, um, decided to go a different direction. So then I went into actual flight training, which is the ability to through accreditation and, and, uh, and doing training and, and schooling of my own to be able to teach people and they get FAA credit for that which they can then go and, and it starts to get them on the road to becoming a pilot. Yeah. yeah. Now I want to go into more of that, um, but try, kind of taking a step back. So when you kind of came to a realization with angle attack that you weren't able to continue it in the fashion that would fit your lifestyle and business goals, was that a simple process? Was it just like, okay, I realized this, let me make the switch. Or was it, challenging in some ways to let go and, and kind of, uh, take the steps towards a new thing. Yeah. I, I think that if I'm being really honest with myself, I wait way too long to make a business move and I try to make it work too long. Um, I think I could have started the process years earlier and the process itself could have been much shorter. Actually, you know, it, it kind of, goes off into a tangent. I actually ended up doing some business to business work that, that wasn't even online. I, I took all the knowledge that I had and, and the skills that I had in video production and in creating aviation training and actually ended up going out and doing some projects for people. And that was like, that was the worst time of my <laughs> life. It was, it was terrible. And so from that, like from that was born this idea that, Hey, I really do actually like the business to customer thing. And I, I like dealing with people and I like seeing people achieve something. And that's kind of where I've come to today is, Hey, yes, I'm going to make money in my career somehow. You know, I have all these talents and things that I can spend my time on, but I want to see people achieve something. And when you become a pilot, you know, many people have the dream of becoming a pilot. It's, it's never right. realized it. It's probably not realized by 99.9% .9 of the people that, that think they would maybe want to do that. And, uh, I just really like, I guess the altruistic side of that too, seeing people achieve that. So, you know, not only am I still doing online training, it's for real aviation. Now I'm doing online ground school, but I'm also teaching people to fly. So I have a flight school here in Alaska and I get, you know, a few customers here and there, not a ton of people, but I actually get to see people achieve that. And it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's exactly where I was supposed to end up, but it took, uh, it took a handful of years to, you know, make mistakes and learn and grow to where now I can, you know, make it happen. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and I hear that story so often. I mean, it's, it's my story too, in a way like, it, and, um, I think for whatever reason, we can quickly try and discount or say, oh, all these years, you know, I took this long and it should have been shorter and all these things. But the fact, one of the perspectives to take on it is without all those lessons and fine tuning and uh, things that you went through with angle of attack, um, producing the videos, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't. I mean, the new site, aviatortraining.com, you know, you 
you couldn't have done it without those things. Right. And, and I spooled it up super quick. You know, I know how to do a WordPress site overnight. I know to go out and get like a template instead of try to hire a developer to, to do all that on my own. I know to plug in member mouse right away and, and how to plug in, you know, the payment options and the checkout options and, and how all this stuff works behind the scenes to where, you know, turnkey, it took me like a week to set all that up. Um, and then here I am taking, taking payments and, and then streaming live video. It's just, it's a, a whole different ball game. That's great. And, uh, just a kind of side tangent here with that thought. Um, sure. You know, in your business too, aviator training, you know, like you talk about 99.9% of the people may not even achieve that goal. Um, it's, there's all these obstacles that come in the way and it's similar with stuff like member mouse, you know, you, like you just rattled through. Okay. I know instead of putting an obstacle in front of myself that I need to go hire a developer and do all these things, I know just to get a template, mm-hmm. right? Instead of doing this thing that takes a lot longer, I know to do this instead. You know, but some of those obstacles, as you know now from the experience, are self-imposed. Like you think and we think that, oh, in order to be successful, we need the the latest and the greatest and the best looking. And we look at all these surface level things as being the keys Mm. To success, it needs to look right. It needs to have cost me a lot of money. It needs to take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But more and more, especially as I talk to people and hear hear from the people who have been successful, the the things when it comes down to it and getting that success is all about taking the steps. Whatever steps they are, it doesn't matter. You you put one foot in front of the other and start walking, mm-hmm. right? Because we have all these ways that we procrastinate and we, t- and we kind of disguise these procrastinations and saying, oh, well, I need this. And therefore, I'm not procrastinating. It's just what I need. And oh, but I don't have the money to do that. So therefore, that's the reason <laughs> I'm not going forward. Right. But yeah, it's just a story. It, it, it's really interesting because everything you just said, if you hadn't had prefaced that with member mouse or in your case, kind of talking about starting a membership website or or doing that um, online business, all of that could have explained people getting into aviation. Time, money, uh, family obligation. And and it's brought on this really interesting role with me because I've learned very quickly that you can convince someone to separate with their time and money, actually, believe it or not. It like, the, the, the money that they spend, <laughs> there's plenty of money in the world. Like there's a ton of money in the world. Just look at all the, the yachts that are in Greece, you know, you see, or the Mediterranean, like there's just tons of money out there. Um, so there's plenty to go around, but, you know, convincing people to, uh, to do the work, either if it's to build a business, online business, or to become a pilot, it takes a lot of work. And it's this tricky business because, hey, actually online business is a lot of fun. Having your own schedule and, and freedom. I put that in quotes because, you know, you, you still got to work. There's a lot of work involved, but having your freedom is, is uh, really valuable. It's online business is a lot of fun. Being a pilot is amazing. It's a lot of fun, but hey, it takes a lot of work. And that is the hardest thing to convince people of. Right. And I, I love the correlation between the two because, you know, like I said, you said, like freedom is in quotes and tying it back to what you do, flying a plane. It's like, you know, yes, you've chosen to fly a plane, but you can also crash it. Right. Like right. You're, hold, you're, you're steering it and you get the benefit of that, but you're also steering it. So you can, you know, there's the risk. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't get the quote unquote freedom without the risks that come with it. Right. And, and just the sheer sweat that comes with putting time into getting it done. And again, it's not just the time. It's like, it's actually, you know what it is? It is, I think it's people being subconsciously afraid of the growth that's going to happen. Yes. And maybe even afraid isn't the word, but it's, it's knowing that by becoming a pilot or by starting an online business, you are going to become a different person and that freaks people out because maybe they're comfortable with what they have now. Yeah. And it's also the goal. So it's this weird kind of catch 22 situation. 
now, since there are corollaries here, um, can you talk a little bit about how you handle that specifically in your business? You know, how, how are you approaching through your marketing, through your conversations with people um, and handling the concerns that they may have? Maybe they're not the right, maybe they can't do it uh, and taking them from the starting point where they're landing on your site to purchasing your online training to then, you know, maybe going into a live ground school with you. Yeah. So it, you know, unfortunately it's a bit of a complicated process because there is so much to learn when it comes to aviation, so many steps. And so I find that, that the teaching of the ground school and the teaching of the knowledge, you know, the aircraft systems, airspace, weather, all those things are actually, they pale in comparison to just being able to teach people the path to get to where they need to go. Because when someone approaches even the idea of becoming a pilot, they have no idea how to even go up to an airport and start to ask. And it, you know, I think a lot of people don't do it because it's intimidating and they're scared of sounding stupid or whatever it is. And so all of my marketing answers to those issues. It says, okay, what are the steps that it takes to even get to the point where you get started? And I find that so many of my, of my uh, competitors in the industry take that for granted. And they just think that, you know, which may be true, but they, they think that there's mentors out there and people that just, they do that work and say, Hey, well, you need to take this step, that step, and that step. And then you're, you can start taking ground school or start taking lessons. Well, I'm trying to digitize that and make it a sales funnel. So for example, if you go to aviatortraining.com, the first thing that pops up is the private pilot action plan. It's the five steps you need to take before you take your first flight lesson. It's a very short PDF that I just worked super hard on. I created it in like three days. It looks really nice. I did it on a template. Um, I happen to be decent at photography as well. I'd say I'm like on the border between amateur and professional. So the, the imagery in it is really good. Um, but it's five actual things, challenges for people that they have to, uh, even just know exist to get to the next step. And, um, and, uh, and take their first lesson. So I digitize that they download that, that guide, and then it gets them into an email list. Eventually I do like a launch on that email list. I'm going through one right now that gets them into the the ground school. So it, you know, and I honestly, like I could look at it if it was, there are some other people in my industry that are kind of sleazy about this process, but I feel like I'm doing a, a great service because I'm giving away a lot of this and educating people through my various channels. And then it's like, Hey, if, if you want to take ground school with me, here it is, here's what we do. And then I offer a ton of great value there as well. Yeah. And I, I think you're really, I appreciate that approach too, because what you're doing is the fact of the matter is, yes, there's a lot of objections for people who want to start something new. Some of those people, those are valid. Right. And I right. think, that if they can learn for free, okay, what is this really going to take? What's involved in this? Mm -hmm. There's, let's just to make it simple, there's 50% of people who are going to go through that. It's, it's not that equal, but some of those people are going to go through it. And as they read it, they're going to get, okay, they're going to maybe feel, oh, wow, that's a lot of work, but they're also going to get excited. Right. And then some of those people are like, oh, this is too much. This isn't for me, but that's great because now the service has been done where now they know this isn't for me, but I satisfied whatever urge there was to look into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of nuts and bolts and teaching them the steps. And then a lot of what I do with social media as well is just show them how cool it is to fly and the different things you can do with it. And so most of what you see through my Instagram and my YouTube channel is just, Hey, here's what it's like to be a pilot. And when you connect people to that passion and that aspiration to do things like that, then they can overcome a lot of things, you know, really you've got to get the passion to overcome everything else. Yeah. Cause that enthusiasm is priceless. I remember uh, I don't have any interest in being a pilot and I never have, but 
I think it was, I don't know how many years ago, but it, when you started doing those videos on YouTube, um, I watched the second episode where you, you took the plane out on your own private trip with a buddy who came into town and you guys were flying over the wildlands of Alaska and you were filming like bears on the ground and you landed mm -hmm. on the beach and kind of like jaunted around for a little bit. I mean, I'm not a pilot, but that was pretty cool. Right. You know, like, yep. you know, like I definitely wanted to be in the plane, mm -hmm. but if I had any desire or latent desire to be a pilot, I'd be like, wow, this is really exciting. Like I, this is worth me pushing through whatever. And I think that that's super important. And in our space too, I think, and probably a lot of people's spaces, education, free education, uh, is a great way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've got to, they, you know, the whole 80, 20 rule, um, you're basically giving away 80% of what you do. And then that 20% is what people end up paying for. Of course, you always want to make sure it's in balance. You don't want to bankrupt yourself by giving everything away got to be pretty careful about that but you know there's got to be if you build up that passion for something and there are many many different things and you also know a whole lot about the subject boom there's your key to your online business that's it because there's going to be a market there somewhere exactly and i would say as far as giving away stuff for free for for people who you know i think people have never done that before i would say would typically would be concerned about that and they would have objections to it. And yes, there is a line where you don't want to cross it. But in general, I think that line is a lot higher than people think it is. It, it really is. You know, I spend, again, at least, at least 80% of my time is spent just doing free content. Um, I have a YouTube show you were kind of talking about. It's like a vlog of flying adventures. It's called the Angle of Attack Show. Uh, I do a podcast as well that is definitely more on the educational side, but I get people that come in and do interviews. For example, this last week, one of my best interviews ever, I interviewed a World War II triple ace that flew the P-51 and, and literally like at the age of 23 was shooting down Nazis over Europe. It's just, it's crazy to think about. He's 96 years old, you know, got on this video interview. Um, and, you know, to a certain extent, like, I, I think I've shot myself in the foot sometimes in not promoting myself enough because I just do that stuff because it's cool and because I think people will like it and, and trying to do my part in, in uh, growing the pilot pool. But, um, but I've had to be better too on things like that and, and really everything now and just telling people, Hey, I'm not a podcast. I'm not just an Instagram channel. I'm not a YouTube show. I am a company that sells an online ground school and th these are just some of the cool things that I do behind the scenes. So I think people have to be careful with that too. That that's definitely one of my faults is I don't promote what I do, what I actually do enough. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Cause I think that dovetails into your focus on social media, right? So what is your approach there? Your high level approach with social media? Honestly, it's just to show the passion side of the business um, I will share certain things through stories on Instagram and really it just, it gives me notoriety in the community. I mean, Instagram is my, probably my number one most successful source. I started Instagram about two years ago. Um, and I'm at 17,000 followers now, uh, all organic. So those are all people that that potentially will interact with what I do. And the way it's set up, unlike Facebook, is people actually do see your stuff or Twitter. You know, people actually do see your stuff. Um, whereas Facebook chooses what people see now. And for the most part, they're actually requiring you to pay to have your stuff seen by even your own followers. And Twitter is the same way. So, uh, so Instagram. When you post something, it goes in someone's feed in chronological order and they will see it. Um, and then, I don't know, it, it's really it's really simple. It's not com complicated videos. I do these one minute videos of just me instructing other uh, student pilots and they have been wildly successful. You know, I post a lot of photos on there, of just adventures that I get to do and places I go promoting aviation 
And you'll notice on most recent posts is that in every post that, you know, I share a number of hashtags because that's a search engine. That's how people find your stuff. Um, but I also put a thing below there that says, uh, something about our online ground school. So that's on every single post. It's not totally in your face. It's not annoying, but it's just, it's starting to educate people. Hey, we do online ground school. You go to my profile. The first thing about what the company is about is online ground school. So those things, I think they should be subtle. At least that's how I feel personally about it. Maybe it's not the most uh, wise business decision, but I think they should be subtle. So people still understand that's what you do while you know, not being totally in your face all the time, ground school, ground school, ground school, because then it's not going to be attractive to people to go to your Instagram page and just see ground school every other post. That doesn't do anything for people. You might achieve a certain amount of success, but it's not going to be that that organic, passion-driven success where people are, you know, just raving fans of what, what they see you do. I agree with you. I, I prefer that approach as well. Um, now, in, as far as fr- future-proofing, do you have any concerns with Instagram? Because you mentioned Facebook and Twitter both have this scheme where they charge to have you put it in front of your subscribers. Now, do you think one day that might happen with Instagram? I think it absolutely could. Um, it's happened with every single platform so far. Uh, Instagram is owned by Facebook, so we never know how those platforms are going to evolve. But what matters is that I'm playing in that market now. I don't know what the next thing is going to be, but I'm also not putting all my eggs in one basket. You know, I have a handful of friends right now that are doing pretty well making a living on YouTube, even within our aviation niche. And I just do not trust what Google is going to do with YouTube. I think YouTube is on the brink of of offending a lot of creators. I think people would jump ship pretty quick if something else came along that worked well. And so I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. And it's also a challenge because I feel like I also, in some ways, can't be consistent in in any one uh, platform. But uh, the one platform I am most consistent with and the one that's easiest to produce for is Instagram. And then those things can, you know, cascade down to the others. For example, if I share a photo on Instagram, it also gets shared on Facebook and Twitter. And so whatever's happening there, if people see it, then they can start to like and share it. But, um, you know, I haven't had a lot of success on YouTube, believe it or not. Uh, it's really interesting to see how little the algorithms are picking up on what I'm doing, even though I think it's amazing, amazing content. I'm putting so much effort into that and not getting enough reward. Whereas I put in a little bit of effort to Instagram and I get a big reward. So it doesn't mean I still don't play in YouTube. I do. Um, but I, you know, it's like a, a financial profile. I'm diversifying so that if in the future something does get pulled out from underneath me, it's not the end of the world. Because honestly, right now I feel like, I feel like YouTube, which I had 20,000 subscribers, um, from the previous, uh, flight simulation stuff. I feel like my YouTube has been pulled out from underneath me because when I, even though I'm at 26,000 followers there now, when I post a video, it's hard to get over a couple thousand views on my videos. I have no explanation for it. So um, yeah, I mean, just diversification is really important along the platforms. Right. And and I think uh, also a certain amount of realism sounds like because you know, to some people, just reaching 26,000 views, or sorry, not views, um, subscribers on a YouTube channel would be success, right? That's not an insignificant amount of people. But it sounds like you're willing to be pragmatic about the whole thing. You're looking at, okay, here are all the things that I'm doing. Here's what's working. Here's what's not. You know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter that this number is here. If I'm not getting the results, then I need to focus my attention in the things that are giving me the results. Yeah. And, and those platforms like Twitter, um, I think Twitter is just a completely dead platform. It never worked for me business wise anyway. And I was pretty active on it, but especially over the last few years, politically, it's just, it's a dumpster fire of a platform. And I just, 
I don't see anything going on there. I don't see it ever turning around. I think uh, I think Facebook is on the brink of doing that, but I also think Facebook is delving into things that are interesting. They have this new watch section of Facebook. Um, Facebook Live is a really interesting thing to to look into. Um, in that sense, Periscope, which is attached to Twitter, is an interesting platform. So you know, I just I think that uh, I think you got to be really careful to put all of your eggs in one basket. And, but I think you could also have too many baskets. You know, I, I just kind of eliminated Twitter about three years ago, just decided it wasn't doing anything for me and it wasn't even worth the time I was putting into it. And I've really pulled back on what I do with Facebook. And then I work pretty hard on filling my content on Instagram because I do see the results there. I see nice organic growth. I see videos go viral every now and again. And it just, it works a lot better for me. And then I still believe that YouTube is a powerful platform, especially for someone like me that is a video guy. You know, if, if I'm the video guy and what I do is video training and produce videos, that's the place to be seen. So I still need to play there and, and try to, to uh, make inroads there, even though I may not be getting the results I want. I'm just trying to figure those things out right now and, and figure out how I can get it to work. Right. And I think that's the key because, you know, for people listening, you know, who are using Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, et cetera, the message here isn't to go just delete everything that's not working for Chris. Like the thing is, it, there's no one solution for this. You have to find your own fit. You, what works for you? What works for the market? You, you know, you're in a very particular market. So that market's going to have certain behaviors and everybody has certain behaviors and they might one market may go with one platform and another with another. So the the key here is you really have to pay attention and find out what works for you specifically. And yep, definitely. And, and along those lines, you also need to put in a sufficient amount of effort into seeing if that is going to work. So you can't just post a video here and there and, and a post here and there, you know, once a month, once a week. I mean, you, you got to know how much of an effort you need to put into it to prove that it'll work or not before you can definitively say it's going to work or not. You know, you, you can't just dive in for a few minutes and say, Oh no, this isn't working. I'm going to back out. You actually have to give it an effort for a while and have a plan to give it an effort. If it doesn't work, have the guts to, you know, cut your losses and go elsewhere. Right. That reminds me of um, split testing on websites. Like if you're going to split test a banner, one a banner versus another, you have to reach what's what's called statistical significance. You have to leave it up for a certain period of time to have enough traffic go to it so that it actually is giving you real data about the situation. Uh, you can't just leave it up for a couple hours and be like, oh, only three people clicked on this one, but five people clicked on this and call it a day. Right. You know, and, and I like the, uh, the field of dreams analogy, but kind of the opposite of that. I don't know if, uh, if anyone watched the field of dreams oh, yeah. is a nineties movie, but it's famous for saying, if you build it, they will come. And when it comes to online business, that isn't true. If you build it, they will not come. You need a way <laughs> to bring them to your business. Uh, and, and social media is that new way of doing it. Uh, I think email is still a very powerful tool, but that is kind of a secondary step to your social media effort. Um, I would call email more of a list building effort. Uh, but they, if you create this amazing membership website, they're not just going to come. That's not how it works. That's not how it works even with a local business that builds a shop. Yeah, you might have a couple passers-by. That's going to be the same thing with a website. You might get a couple... Uh, people show up through through search engine, um, you know, the bots that are doing all that SEO things. You need to do advertising of some kind, marketing of some kind, and that's where the social media comes in. But I, I, I hear something else in the story there too, because, you know, we're, we've talked a lot about these tools, but also another big uh, thing that you're operating on is why are you using those tools? What are you using those tools to accomplish? Which I think when people are just getting started, they're trying, it's like those first time flyers. They're like, they don't know what the first step is. So they don't, they 
don't feel like they can go to the airport and ask, Hey, how do I fly one of those things? Right. And it's the same with starting a business. You know, people don't know what the first question is. So they'll often see someone that they think is successful and copy. Um, but the market in the internet in general is just saturated with just so much, let's just say inauthenticity, mm. people who are doing something for the sake of doing it. The people who are real, and have a story to tell and are being authentic, I think do become successful. It doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't take work, but, and I think this is getting back to the future proofing. I think this is also important key because what you're doing, you may be using those four platforms right now, but what you're really doing is building your personal brand, mm-hmm. right? So no matter what platforms change in the future, you're still going to be Chris Palmer. You're still going to have aviator training, um, and you'll just switch to the, the biggest thing of the, of the day, you know, when right. that happens. And I'm, I'm even careful there. You know, I, I, I did this, uh, this is a pretty cool thing for people to do. It's actually kind of fun and you learn a lot about yourself, but it's called the strengths finder. Um, you go through, you, you take this test, there's a companion book that goes along with it and you find your five strengths. And one of my strengths is futuristic. So I'm definitely lean on the side of futuristic. I'm an early adopter of technology. You know, I, I buy the newest iPhone usually actually didn't buy it this last cycle, but we'll be getting it next week. So I'm an early adopter of technology, but I I also, when it comes to social media, I hold back a little bit. I, I see how it works and what it's going to do. And if I feel like it has the right things, that I could, uh, that I could take advantage of, then I will go just full in really quick. And that's what ended up happening with Instagram. Um, I started two years ago and I think if you were to start today, it'd be a much more difficult uphill climb. Uh, but when I saw what it was doing for my business and what it could do, I went full speed ahead. I bought a nice camera to really get the the best out of it and, uh, and went that way. So like for example, Instagram recently announced their uh, IGTV, which some people were saying might be a YouTube killer. But when I saw it and looked at its features, even though it was intrinsically connected to Instagram, I decided it wasn't for me because it only had vertical video and just didn't present the videos in a very good way. If there would have been a few tweaks to that platform or they tweak it in the future to where you can do horizontal video, then I will be in there in a heartbeat and I'm going to try to get ahead of the rush of people that haven't quite realized that yet, that it's going to be valuable. So, you know, there's that middle ground of not, not wasting time on something that isn't that great. Um, but also when you do find the value diving in and seeing if it can, uh, if you can get ahead of that wave. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of the future, um, let's talk about it. So my experience with the internet, and I've never really been into social media, following it, using it, um, not saying that that's right or not, just a personal preference. Um, But I find it to be, there's a lot of noise. Um, And so noise, not only does it mean that you're hearing all the bad things, but it also means you can't hear the good things, you can't discern. And I, I think that's one of the major challenges that's happening uh, in the digital age right now is just you don't know what's good information you don't know what's bad information and i see that um, people are having a lot of success with transitioning and doing more import in-person offerings uh you know weekend classes uh or even or even um you know online live events right um and they're making this decision and doing this choice going for the lower numbers, like not going for the 1995 price point uh, for 20,000 people, but going for the 399 price point at 100 people. That's more attractive. Right. You know, you can, you can work with less people, have more impact, make the same amount of revenue, but you're avoiding uh, this kind of like, noise of the internet trying to be seen and you're connecting and you can, I think more resonant uh, with your passion and be direct about it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I hear two different levels there. 
there's definitely the authenticity that comes from your social media platforms. Again, if you're speaking from a corporate voice, you're not really going to get anywhere. If you speak from like an, an authentic grassroots here, I'm part of the community. I'm doing good things. I'm doing the real thing. Then, you know, that's a good place to come from when it's social media. And I think people are getting pretty good at seeing who's authentic and who isn't. Even the older generation who is slower to latch on to social media, I think is starting to see who really, who really is into it and who isn't. Um, so that's from a social media perspective, but kind of what you described was from a product perspective. And it's an interesting observation because it's definitely, definitely something you see a lot in, in marketing these days where people are having a lot of success doing webinars to convert people into their courses. Um, I've had pretty good success and, in, in, in picked it out of necessity in offering my ground school that I do as a live online ground school. It was technologically pretty difficult to find the, the hardware and the software that would do what I needed to do. And usually when you do that, when it is that difficult, you know that you're ahead of a pretty big wave that's coming. But I just saw that no one else in my in- industry, again, just out of, out of the necessity of, of diversifying from what other people do, I noticed that no one else was doing live courses online, but that there was already online and there's already in-person classes in my industry. Why not make the best of both worlds and, and do live online myself? Is kind of a classroom type of environment. Uh, people can ask questions during the class. We'll slow down on difficult to understand subjects. As an instructor, I have to work hard to explain things in a different way sometimes if I don't quite explain them in the way I thought it was best explained. So I can do that three or four times until the class at large is really understanding things. And that has actually been pretty successful. But like you said, the numbers are a lot lower. You know, I, I don't have hundreds of people getting in in anymore. It's just a handful of people, but it, it's a good little bump every quarter. You know, when I when I do these things to do a live online class, and um, and then I charge a premium for that course. I actually happen to have a course for three ninety nine right now for my ground school, which is a very fair and competitive price. It's right along industry standards, but you know, it's, it's, it's good to work for that level and have people have skin in the game. Even, uh, it just, it seems to be working right now. So yeah, it's interesting that you're observing that in the, in the industry as well is that live more personable interactions are doing better. And I think the best brands are trying to do that, or at least those that are really trying to innovate are, are doing exactly that. Right. And I think it goes back to something you were talking about at the beginning, uh, which is, you know, yes, it's, it's, it's not just about the monetary aspects. I mean, with those numbers of people, you know, after you're done with that class, I, you have that personal satisfaction that you used knowledge that you attained for yourself, passed it on, help people overcome objections right. and get to the point where they're actually lifting off the ground right, and, and flying, you know, which is, you can't really put a price on stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, that goes to the altruistic side of what I do. And, you know, I'm not, I don't have a nonprofit business. I'm not doing this all out of the goodness, goodness of my heart. I'm trying to fill, feed my family and everything, but I really, it really does uh, lend to something that's very important to me, which is seeing people achieve those things and having such a small class number. I can actually say, Hey, here is my phone number. Here is my uh, direct email. Send me a question anytime you need. Let me know how it's going. And then I also have the ability to, without the large numbers, to be able to know those people personally and know what their current path is or what their current place is in that path on their journey. And and from my, uh, my first ground school, several of those people are taking lessons and several of them have become pilots. And so it's really cool to see that come full circle and see it really work out for people. Um, And then even from a development standpoint, you know, I know that you deal with development quite a bit in terms of user feedback and then how that feedback gets into a a great new product or updated product. I want to do the same thing with my training. A, I need to learn 
how I need to improve as a teacher. And B, I want to be able to circle that around really quickly and make it a fast life cycle so that over time I can just build the best product out there that, you know, has a great name for itself to the point where uh, the original social uh, marketing, the word of mouth just starts to take over and people start to talk to each other about what the best, uh, what the best course is out there. So that sort of thing takes years to, um, to do, but you know, if you have a process for improving yourself and improving your product like that with your customers, then it can really pay off in the long run, even though you may be, may feel like you're slogging through the, the marsh in the very beginning. Right. But that's, that's an essential part of the journey. You don't skip the marsh. No, you, know? you don't. So like if you build it, they won't come. It's the same thing. Like you don't, don't have unrealistic expectations about what's going to happen. Um, and I think, um, you know, what we're really talking about is a different strategies for the, for lack of a better word, the small business, you know, uh, I think when people talk about building businesses, they may often think about large companies and getting to those places, but the way that those companies operate, you know, the way that all different size companies operate are completely distinct to those levels and their size that they are. And when when you're dealing with a team, five to 10 people, the strategies that we use and the way that we approach the business, we have a lot of benefits. And one of those benefits is that we can have and maintain a personal communication with the customer and respond to that and incorporate in the product, which is also an expectation of the market for, for dealing with companies of that size. You know, if I'm dealing with Google, I, I basically go in with the expectation that they don't care about anything I say and they're not going to respond to what I need. Right. Yep. Right. So I get that going in, but if I'm going to work with you or if I'm going to work with somebody who, you know, it's, it's, I know is a, a small company, it's a relationship. There's, yep. there's a component of that and that needs to be honored. And if it's not honored, then those customers aren't going to stick around that long. And there, there's an unwritten law now, and you see it in how generation X and the millennials are treating the economy now is we don't choose the biggest and best or the cheapest anymore. We choose the one that means the most to us um, all the way down to the underwear that we wear. You know, everything we do now, if there's some sort of uh, value proposition behind it beyond just the quality of the product, we're buying into that more and more and more. And so to teach people about that value that you have, you know, that personable value, um, you've got to you've got to be authentic and. And I mean like true authenticity. I'm just not talking right. about, you know, being, acting like you're authentic and doing all these amazing things. People right, are people very, can smell from a mile away. Right. Yeah. They are very in tune now and they can, they can tell what is fake and what is real. And, uh, and, you know, even showing the bad side of maybe not necessarily your business, but maybe the downside of becoming a pilot every now and again with, you know, not being able to eat when you're in the air or, or, uh, you can't exactly pull over and to a, a rest stop. So there's plenty of, plenty of cool side to that, that side of the equation. And it, again, I, I think the new economy is a personal economy and more and more people are moving away from the big businesses to pick those companies that align with their values. Right. And, and it's exciting, I think, because there's so much opportunity there. There's so, like you were saying earlier, there's so much to go around and, you know, talking about in order to teach value, what do you need to do in order to teach value? Nothing. You don't need to study anything. Just bring value. That's Mm -hmm. it. You have to learn what your value is to offer and then just bring it to the table. And it's, and I also see this as, as a major uh, sticking point for people starting. Uh, there are some very talented people I know who won't, who don't think that they're ready mm. because they're, they're constantly trying to do a, a, a personal feedback loop of how to improve. Um, and so it's like, oh, but I can make it this better this way and this way. And when I get it to that point or that version, then I'll put it out there. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is, a, that's, that's a very lonely journey and it's never going to, 
you're never going to release anything uh, to give people the opportunity to engage with you. And B, the whole beauty of putting something out there is that it becomes a collaborative uh, effort between you and what you bring to the table and the people who want to consume it. Right. Because if you just want to make something for yourself, then that's not business. Right. Exactly. You, you know, when I, uh, when I went through that transition with flight simulation and what I'm doing now at the ground school, I, I said that I worked business to business with some companies and the reason why it was like the worst time I've ever had in my career is because the people I was working with just did not understand that, that middle ground of like quality versus getting things out there and having this feedback loop and just wanted absolute perfection the whole time. And it, it got absolutely nowhere. It was soul crushing. It was, it was like visually and aesthetically, it was the best work I've ever done. You know, I had, I had 3d designers. I had cat artists. I had motion graphic designers. I had video editors. At one time I had a team of like 20 people, but it was the most soul crushing work I've ever done. And there wasn't any personal, like personable aspect of that training at all. And, and I can't see people actually enjoying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, it, it was all so corporate and so, so perfect. It just it wasn't really going anywhere. So I just wanted to share that little tidbit as well that, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen that end of it too. And, and would much rather put myself out there. So kind of coming full circle, when I ended up going back business to customer to do this ground school stuff again, I had like this, this interesting level of personal PTSD in a way. And I I hate to use that term because people, people have real PTSD, but I had like this, this emotional barrier to where before I was very willing and able to just create something and release it and not worry about what people said. Just know that I had to like move on to the next thing. But now I found myself being really reserved, like not wanting to release something, wanting it to look really good because that's what that corporation did to me. It's like, man, you got to write this script for the 20th time again, because it has to be perfect. And we can't believe that you can't write well and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I could go into so many sob stories, but I, I, I realized that the only way I was going to make it happen again is if I just did it. And so I, I like created the email campaigns. I created the website. I said, I was going to do it all live. And I had like a debt, just deadlines, like my own deadlines that I put into it. And I said, okay, it's going to release on this date. The ground school dates are going to be on this date. And then I would spend all day creating the content, maybe two days creating the content for that one lesson and then have that lesson done because I recorded it live. Like I had to be there live with the class to present it. And then I had to immediately roll over into the next one. And so it was, it was kind of a nice way of retraining myself that you just got to create stuff and put it out there, see how it does, get the feedback and improve the next time. So now I hear, here I am the next time I'm going to be improving that process, making it even better but it's not going to be exactly how I want it. I'm going to have to do it again and again and again. It probably won't ever be how I want it. So that's just the way it is. And and if people can buy into that mentality and find a middle ground, you know, don't put complete crap out there, put some effort into it, find some middle ground and then, you know, uh, put it out there because the most valuable asset is getting that feedback and improving it for the next time. So that's just the way it goes. And I think that's where the feeling of it not being perfect comes from. You know, we, we can sometimes think that, oh, it could be better. It could be better is an obstacle. But really, that's the fact that we've already learned from what we just went through. And we're going to apply that the next time. But it doesn't mean it's not valuable to the audience. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, last week, uh, we, we talked to another customer who went through a, a transition as well. He was running a very successful website um, selling art training, um, kind of doing the information product model. And he was, he kind of got to a point with the business where it wasn't, he wasn't enthusiastic about it anymore, but he ended up switching his entire business model, launching a new site, higher price points, more kind of, uh, one-on-one training, art training with students. And, uh, he 
it was a very personal transformation that had to happen. He had to do a lot of soul searching, but the result of that was he had 1600% growth, like almost immediately. Um, But one of the things that really stood out to me about that was I went to his site and I was like, wow, like, I'm so surprised that you got 1600% growth because this looks like like an out of the box WordPress team, like nothing was done here. And he's like, yeah, like this is the worst thing that I've ever put out visually, but it's had the best results. That's crazy. You know, because what it tells me is that this isn't what people care about nowadays, right? They, what they want is the value and they, it doesn't matter what package it comes in. People are so used to having marketing shoved down their throat that it doesn't, it's not trustworthy anymore. Right. Right. So I just, I always like to reiterate that because I see it as a sticking point for people getting started. Like they feel like they need to dress. It's like the dress code. They need to follow the trend of the popular kids. Mm -hmm. All the popular kids are wearing this. So let me wear that and I'll be popular too. And it's like, no, just be yourself. Wear what you want to wear. And there's plenty of people out there who will resonate with that. Right. And that's why, you know, these days I'm much more inclined to get a template that, kind of follows the the look and feel that I'm going for uh, instead of, you know, firing up a whole development team. There are times to do that, but it, it's that's not, you don't start there. And it, no. you, you're definitely not starting there when you have uh, a small business. Like, well, let's say like under five employees, likely you're not going to be doing a really nice developed website. So yeah, like you said, you know, there's, and kind of like what I said earlier, there's got to be this middle ground. I'm I'm too visually, I'm so much of a visual learner, and I really like video and photo and and beautiful things that I have a really hard time not having at least look a little bit good. But I have my branding down enough now where, man, I find a couple templates here and there. I throw in the colors, I throw in the fonts, do a couple things with photography, and I'm done. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time doing that because A, time is finite. I need to be spending it on the product. B, I've got to be spending it on marketing. And then, you know, uh, the rest of the alphabet for all the other things that I have to do as a small business owner. Right, right. C, change, it's going to change anyway. Yep. Based on feedback. So cool. Well, let's, I have one final question for you. Sure. And that is if you were going to do things, over again what would you do differently well well hindsight is always 2020 of course um i i would be faster to act on those things that i believed in and i would spend more time and effort educating myself and uh make sure that i'm on the right path of growth there I think also one thing I've been thinking about the last several months, as I even look at where I'm at now in my business, is I need to have some sort of exit strategy. Um, And I may or may not exit, but I need to know that the business needs to be doing this well by this date, or I need to be making a change because what's happening, and everyone makes these sacrifices in their personal life, but what's happening is just year after year, if I'm... A, if I'm not getting after it and like following my heart kind of, um, in other words, just being complacent, then like things aren't progressing, you know, and I'm growing a family and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing all these things that, that require my income to grow, but then my business is just staying the same. So I think I, I need to be more, A, I don't want to be reactionary, B, the opposite of that. I need to plan more and stick to that plan and, and just create a lot of great stuff, constantly create and then see, have some sort of plan that, Hey, if this doesn't pan out, I need to do something different. And that's what got me into the trouble with the original flight simulation business. Um, I definitely think I learned that I had already kind of learned that lesson by the time I did the business to business or the corporate work just very quickly, I realized it wasn't for me, but I met my obligations and then got out of it and then, you know, learned what I really wanted to do where I am now. And I'm making micro adjustments there now, you know, it's not perfect, but I'm making adjustments to, to make sure it works. So I think 
overall, just just make sure that you have a plan that is laid out and solid, stick to it. And if it's not quite panning out, be really honest with yourself and then be willing to change and pivot because some of the best businesses ever, some of the most successful businesses ever happen because of a pivot, not because of anything else. Like the one example I'll bring up, but I, I really like hearing uh, other successful business stories. Um, and that kind of goes to what I said about education. Make sure you educate yourself on a bunch of different subjects. Lots of great podcasts out there. Lots of great tools. Um, so Little Caesars, okay? Little Caesars is struggling against the big uh, pizza companies like Pizza Hut and Domino's in the 90s. They're just, just not working out well. They get into the early 2000s and what does Pizza Hut do? They simplify their entire business model and they focus on the $5 large pizzas and it completely changed their business, totally changed everything. And now the other guys are trying to catch up. Um, I think that's a good example of a pivot rather than just not reacting to the market, but they, they didn't change much, you know, they just did a pivot. And so you got to be willing to pivot in your business. Um, like I have not showing myself as a dot, as a, as a little Caesars at all, but, um, just be willing to do that because you may find exactly what you were meant to find. It, it, take the time. I'll say it this way. Take the time to disconnect yourself from your business. I mean, really take a sabbatical, go away for a few weeks and let your head clear out and think about your business in that space. And, uh, and that's where you'll find those pivots, even the micro pivots you need to make in the current model you have. And, uh, and, and that's how things are done. Yeah, it's all. And I think to pivot, you need to listen. Like you said, clear your head, walk away, get some clarity, um, and then take action. You know, I think the first thing you started with, uh, what you would change, you know, um, doing things more quickly. I, I think maybe is that synonymous with questioning yourself, like questioning yourself Definitely. too much. Yeah. Like, so yeah. when you hear what the, what the direction is, even if you don't understand it, go with it, follow it. Right. You know, and that's the pivot. You know? At least follow it and start to build a plan and see how that plan would work. And, uh, and you know, I have, I do that quite a bit and I waste a lot of time doing that, but that's where my best ideas come from. And that's also where a lot of ideas go to die. It's just the way it is. You know, if I'm, if I'm up late at night and I can't get sleep because I have all these ideas going through my head, I just write it down in the default notes app on my iPhone. Um, and then I look at them later and say, oh, that was a great idea. Ah, it wasn't really going to work. Uh, or how does that fit into what I'm currently doing? So just, yeah, follow that rabbit down the hole, see where it goes. If it pans out, it does. And if it does, it could be a completely new business model or, or just a pivot to, uh, create a new revenue stream or something. Yep. That's great advice. Well, this has been great talking with you. A lot of great information. Of course, always good to catch up with you and hear how you're doing. I hope, uh, everything goes well with aviator training and you continue to have, um, great success with teaching and helping people get up in the air. Yeah. I appreciate it. You know, last night, um, I, I started this new launch for this, this current section session of ground school. And I got this email this morning and realized that I hadn't changed the product page. And so I quick, I like, I was blurry eyed and got up and ran out to the living room and got my laptop and like hurried and got into the website and changed it quick. And those are the, the types of things that for me as a business owner is so nice with member mouse is I can just focus on these little tiny things, get them done. And then the rest of the time it's just running. And so like kind of we ended here, my main goal and my main purpose in my business is to be the leader, the thought leader, to come up with those ideas, to create those ideas while in the background, I just have this machine running and taking care of everything. Um, I don't know if you remember in the very beginning, the reason I switched over to member mouse is because I was doing so many support emails on just little tiny, um, 
things that software could have handled. Like, oh, I, I purchased my product and I'm, I don't have access to it. What should I do? Well, there's no reason that should be happening. So the day I switched over to member mouse was just absolutely amazing. It just runs in the background. It freaks me out to look at the analytics now and see like you brought up earlier, 20,000 members that just blows my mind. I don't, I don't really even look at that stuff that much, but it's just back there growing. And then, you know, if I get into my, my payment platforms and look how much money I've made in the last five years, just freaks me out. But, uh, that's what online business does. You know, it's a machine and, and you're part of that machine. So I really appreciate what you guys do and the passion you've put into that product because it really has made my life a lot easier and allows me to do more of what I love. Well, I'm certainly happy to serve you in that way. And uh, I super appreciate you being around as long as you have. And I'm really glad that you've had the success you have and hope that it continues. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed our show today and now have some valuable, actionable advice you can put into place for your own business. Many thanks to Chris for coming on the show and sharing so generously with our audience. Be sure to check out what Chris is up to on angleofattack.com and aviatortraining.com. You can also see his beautiful, awe-inspiring photos from his many flights on his Instagram at angleofattack. You can get the show notes from today's episode at subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 107. If you're interested in hearing more interviews with entrepreneurs and learn their strategies for success, please subscribe to the show. In the next episode, we'll be talking with Ali Jafarian, a developer with over 10 years of experience building WordPress membership sites. He shares tips and strategies that everyone who's thinking of building a membership site should know. So hope to see you there.